0: Welcome into Success by Design, a business podcast on the WHIN Podcast Network. Now, here is the founder and CEO of Navarro Creative Group, Wendy Navarro. Welcome back into Success by Design. I'm Wendy Navarro with Navarro Creative Group. I am your host for this podcast. I'm specially focused on talking to our local business owners and our local business leaders about their businesses, how they're creating amazing things uh, for our community and uh, just how they're making things happen. So I'm really excited to have with me here today (laughs) (laughs) a very good friend, Rebecca Dopp. Rebecca is a dynamo and I cannot wait for her to share her story with all of you because it's as impressive as any other story that you will ever hear with how things happen in business that sometimes you just don't expect to happen, maybe the way that you expect it to happen but you keep going and be, be persistent and persevere. Yeah. So Rebecca, thank you so very much for coming here today. And let me just mention that Rebecca is the founder of Electronics Recycling Solutions, mm-hmm. which is a re- electronics recycling recycler here in the Sumner County area. However, mm-hmm. they serve all of Middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So Rebecca, thank you very much for being oh, here.
1: It's my pleasure. <laughs> I always enjoy sitting down and talking with you, Wendy. So any excuse to have uh, a great chat with one of my favorite people in Sumner County in the world at this point. uh, (laughs) I I don't need to be pushed too hard.
0: Well, thank you. And it's a terrible, ugly, rainy day, but you bring in the sunshine. So thank you. you. So Rebecca, if you can tell everyone about your background and then let us know about your business and how you got started.
1: Well, if you would have told me... Thirty plus years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing today I I don't know if I would have laughed uh, but I definitely would have been surprised uh, I was living in Washington State and I had was Miss Washington 1984-85 so I had run for Miss America and while running for Miss America um, I had been approached by uh, the Washington State Apple Commission and asked to be their PR representative overseas in the Far East. So I took a break, went to the Far East, uh, lived in um, Taiwan, Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Mm. traveled all over and represented the Washington State Apple Commission. And uh, it was a hoot. I traveled with a guy (laughs) named Bob Turner, who was nuts. And um, I went everywhere from down on the docks um, and seeing, you know, where the apples came in, uh, met with the trade people to entertaining um, representatives from governments and holding a large uh, get together soirees, if you will, to entertain uh, people who might be interested in purchasing apples. Anyway, it was a great opportunity. And while I was doing that, I recognized that I had uh, gifts in the area of marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. I was good at it. I love talking to people. I genuinely enjoy people. If you spend any time with me, I'm a relationship person. So uh, when I went back to Washington, uh, my undergraduate was in clinical psychology. But when I went back, I thought, okay, I need to rethink this. And about that time, one of my former judges from Miss America Called me up and said um, he was uh, at that time working for William Morris Talent Agency. He said, Hey, what are you thinking about doing when you give up your crown when you're done? And I said, um, I want to be in the business, but I don't want to be in front anymore. I was always a singer and an entertainer, and I, I was tired of that. I wanted to be behind the scenes. He said, Well, I can get you uh, in at William Morris. Why don't you fly down and interview? So I did flew down interviewed for William Morris that they wanted to start me in the mailroom I was reading the Hollywood Reporter uh, while I was waiting to go in to interview and I saw that there was a new group forming called Triad Artist and uh, I thought you know what I'm here they were looking for employees and advertising in the reporter so i got in a taxi back then because that's how old i am there was no <laughs> such thing as uber and i probably got on a pay phone and made a call um but i took a taxi over there and they hired me on the spot wow and they wanted me to work the front desk because I was a young hottie, you know, 21 and all, all exuberant, dumb, straight off the farm. <laughs> and um, they said, yeah, so I, they, they wanted me to be down there in two weeks. So I gave up my crown as Miss Washington in that I crowned the next one, didn't give it up, but just crowned the next Miss Washington. And that night got into my pickup. I had this Dotson pickup. They don't even make wow, Datsuns. Datsuns. Yes. I know, right? It had this really cool black tarp that snapped in the back. And I shoved everything I could in it. I drove straight to Los Angeles. I had never driven to Los Angeles. I was so crazy. If I if my daughter told me she was going to do that now, I'd be like, I'm sorry. No. Uh, but I just jumped in there, drove straight to L.A. and started in uh, film business. And I was so naive. I, I did not know the difference between the area codes from the valley and Los Angeles. <laughs> I, I, I had so much to learn. But the point is that I jumped in and I did learn the business. It was probably the best way to learn the business is working as an assistant agent. That's exactly. I started out on the front desk and three months I got picked up as an assistant agent.
0: And you had no pre- preconceived notions. You were just ready to go.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm a full tilt boogie person. Like if you know me, I'm I'm either one hundred percent or I'm like backed way down to two percent. There's no in-between for me. <laughs> you're, you're all in. I'm all yes. in. Yes. So you know, that gave me the background marketing and sales. Um, eventually I fell into film marketing and sales. So I worked for Universal Pictures on their well for um, DDB Needham advertising on the Universal Pictures account floated around, did different jobs within that uh, field. And my last job, interestingly enough, was for Steve Bannon, Mm -hmm. um, which people are always like, what? But he had (laughs) a company called Bannon and Company at that time. And so they were uh, an investment marketing service uh, that invested specifically in entertainment ventures. So I was working for him to do that. Long story short, ran into Bud Adams. Um, they offered me the opportunity to come out here and work on the referendum uh, to bring the then Oilers here to Tennessee. Mm. Two things had happened. One, the Northridge earthquake. It had totaled my house. Terrible, yeah. Right? Yep. Totaled my house. I was living on my best friend Jonathan's couch. Um, The second thing that had happened is I broke up with my boyfriend. And I was crushed. And I, I felt like, so why, why not? not? Right? right? Yeah. Jinx, Opportunity. You me a Coke. You got <laughs> it and after that's this. why you're my friend. <laughs> so got in my car. I knew no one. Never been to the South in my life. There's this very famous ice storm. If you ask anybody about, you know, the year of the ice storm, well, guess what? I was on the 40 in the middle of that, Yikes. all the way out here. Absolutely terrifying. I white knuckled it all the way here um, and uh, ended up falling in love with Tennessee. Uh, Went to work uh, on the referendum. When the referendum passed, the um, Sports, Nashville Sports Authority, or the uh, they asked me to stay on and help with the marketing of the PSL sales. Mm -hmm. So I then worked on the marketing campaign for the PSL sales. And fell in love with it. I mean, I was in my wheelhouse because I did this, you know, radio interviews, television interviews, traveled, met people. um, And it was easy to hype up the Titans. It was such a good thing for the community. It was brand
0: new. Something exciting.
1: And uh, I thought I would keep doing this. But uh, I met my husband here, got married, um, was pregnant with my first child at 36. Had my son when we were playing in Vanderbilt still. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that first year I had a brand new baby. We went to the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Wow. So I was able to see that Eddie and Steve McNair duo I was able to see the Music City Miracle Mount I was there come on Titans come on I was there it was it was crazy we were screaming I screamed so (laughs) loud I didn't have a voice for three days because it was like my job at that point too mm-hmm. you know our ability to to keep on selling tickets and and to see that happen it was genius um, so
0: then this led you because it, for, for from the beginning though from what i hear with this story alone is that your entrepreneurial spirit has always been there mm-hmm. it, it that that willingness to take a risk to do something that you can see an outcome, even though you don't know exactly how you're going to get there.
1: Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah.
0: So that's happened. So now you have your children. You've, uh, you know, you are working with this amazing organization, brought the Titans here, Mm -hmm. just really making a huge impact. Mm -hmm. But right now you're in recycling. (laughs) How does that happen?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, I, I say everything, if you take everything in my life right now, it all goes back to the birth of my son because uh, my son, from the very beginning, was a little unique. I could tell he was unusually bright, um, but there were other things in there, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm. I, eventually, he was diagnosed with high-functioning autism, and at that point, I felt like it was best for me to step away from my job and really focus on him. Wow. And And, um, I had just reached this pinnacle. This, you were at this, the high point of your career. Right. Because Mayor Bredesen was going to go on and run for governor. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be a part of that. And uh, I had been working uh, with Dave Cooley from McNeely, Piggott and Fox. He was sort of a mentor. And I thought, well, that would be a natural progression, right? From here to go into politics. Absolutely. Right right in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So that was the game plan, and then I had this beautiful boy, and uh, next thing I know, I'm handed this diagnosis of autism, mm-hmm. and when I was talking to Dr. Stone uh, from Vanderbilt, she works at the CDC there at Vanderbilt. We're so fortunate to have them right here. She's world-renowned, wow. and I remember sitting down talking to her, and she just said, You know, Rebecca, he is so bright that he will be able to learn new behaviors. Mm-hmm. In other words, he can overcome this or, or we, can, we can work with uh, his skills to help him live what you would call, and I'm doing my little air quotes, a normal life, right? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but it kind of put the brakes on everything
1: that you had planned. Yeah, it did. And it led you in a completely
0: different direction.
1: It did, it was a no-brainer though. I have to say, people are like, oh, it must have been really hard. Nope. Easiest decision I ever made, Your right? Child. Baby, yep. You know, job, baby, job, pfft, yep. You know, job, right out the window. It was like no, no question here, mm-hmm. because I thought it was temporary. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do this for maybe one or two years. That you were going to do what for one or two years? Stay home with my son, okay. and focus on him uh-huh. and and step away from the workplace to really focus on my child, and because. He was going to need a lot of intervention, a lot of speech and language therapy, occupational therapy. It means hours and hours sitting at like the Bill Wilkerson Center or Franklin Speech and Learning. Mm-hmm. Hours and hours of my time every day during the week. I could not do both. Right. So how did you, how did that then affect
0: your decisions? Now, now I, I know that you didn't stay home mm-hmm. for the rest of your (laughs) life because you're doing amazing things in other ways right so so with you had two years at home with him yeah where you really just focused on making sure that he got the best um support that he could get right but that led you in a completely different direction when it came to your career Mm -hmm. And what was
1: that? So uh, I thought I would put him into uh, public school. That didn't work. He was testing out in the ninth grade in kindergarten. My gosh. Yeah. So um, people were kind to me when I'd say, well, now listen, he is gifted, and I'm not sure... That that you understand that he's going to be a good fit here, and people would be somewhat condescending. Oh, we have gifted kids here. They parents always say that. Yeah, parents always say that. We, you know, and I thought, "Uh, yeah, well, you might want to test him how about you just test him and work with him and then you come back and let me know. And it was always no, flat out no. Afterwards, they'd say, you know, we we can't afford to have a second teacher or a full-time assistant just for him. He's not even in the realm of his class, but we can't put him in eighth or ninth grade clearly. Mm -hmm. And um, I got very discouraged. And thought, well, I guess I'm gonna have to homeschool mm. you know there there was just no option. there was no Curry Ingram was out there, but I had quit my job. I couldn't afford uh, that particular school. If right. I had, it would have been a great fit uh, because I loved the people there. We just did not have the resources right um so I ended up quitting my job, and I started teaching my son by then, I had a daughter as well. And I was the homeschooling mom. I was the the that lady that you know spent all her time with her kids, <laughs> putting the curriculum together. Yes, yes. I was so overzealous. I was funny, actually. <laughs> I, I still are. I am. Yeah. I I was like, okay, we're gonna have to learn Latin, French, German. <laughs> I bought all this curriculum, and i had taken him to merrill hyde to be tested to get in uh, initially and i sat down with brad schreiner and i hope she hears this because i was so obnoxious i don't know how she kept a straight (laughs) face i was like well do you have latin in kindergarten and she was like well no she was very polite and i remember thinking oh well i can't send him here (laughs) this is not gonna do (laughs) this will not do if we don't have latin you know and but that was me as the first time mom, so I stayed home, homeschooled him, and really got into it, fell in love with teaching, and found out that I was just as energetic, and driven, and motivated as a teacher. Mm-hmm. And I found out as a mom, all those sharp edges that i had that jaded b word from los angeles mm. that followed me out here that made me really good at my job but kind of a horrendous human being at times um that my kids just um have you ever put rocks in a rock tumbler yeah i was a rock in a rock tumbler yeah i mean i just got they tumbled. just polished you. oh i know i was telling my friend yesterday we had lunch and i said you know we were talking about a friend of hers who has an adult child with autism and the fact that she's just feeling very isolated mm-hmm. and and um, embarrassed to share oh, what's going on. Right. And I said, you know, the one great freedom about mothers of special needs, kids meeting other mothers, is that we have this radar for each other. And we should get sure to just say, test me, try me, I'm over it. You know, because our kids have had such public meltdowns Mm -hmm. and we've lost all desire to try and uh, win uh, the approval of people. We're not, in Make it look perfect, forget it. It's not gonna happen. We're not gonna ever be mother of the year. It's not gonna happen. My kid is the one throwing himself out in Walmart parking lot, the one screaming and freaking Mm -hmm. out. Or I'm the mom that sang to the guard At uh, Lowe's hey my kids in that and the uh, push cart over there Mm -hmm. I'm gonna walk out and leave him right now because I told him if he did that again I was gonna leave I'm not really leaving but I need you to just know that because I'm walking out the door you know yeah and it was horrible Horrifying. So horrifying. All,
0: all of these experiences, because of course, you know, when you go into motherhood, you're thinking that oh, it's going to be perfect. Everything is wonderful, and you know, we're going to have the picture perfect <laughs> family, and we're going to put you know put that <laughs> on the magazine cover. So you're you're working through all of this, and you're learning it, and yeah. you're, you've delved into che- teaching your your children, mm-hmm. and now you f- experience that you are really good at what you do. And you are really good about helping other special needs children. Mm -hmm. So that led you to do what?
1: So uh, I would probably still be a homeschooling mother. And there's no way I can easily transition this without bringing up the big D. But I was the perfect homeschooling mom. I mean, my kids went rock climbing at Sylvan Park Climbing Gym. We went ice skating. I had all of this curriculum lined out. I traveled all over the country getting the best gifted a curriculum for my child and uh, because he was uniquely gifted but he also had challenges mm-hmm. along with my daughter as well and um, I was grooving along my son was getting ready to go into the fourth grade my daughter was getting ready to go into the first grade and then I found out my husband was having an affair
0: mm. oh my gosh yeah
1: super fun and um uh i basically realized that about three years of my life was just a big fat lie wow and um i th- and i was so naive that i thought when i found out you know i could get confront in front and nope. we'd go make see this a counselor work. we'd make it work because i'm <sighs> from the school that you don't give up sure right sure but uh he wasn't didn't go to that school so <laughs> he went to a different he, school he went to obviously a different school. yeah and uh <laughs> it's funny because now i can see why even though it sounds horrible it was a blessing um i don't believe in divorce mm-hmm. i think if you can work it out work it out it is so much better for your family yeah. but i didn't get that choice i just Didn't get the choice. Right. So there I sat. It was. uh, So
0: you're a homeschool mom with special need (laughs) child. You have given up your career. You have a husband who had had an affair. Right. So knowing that that's not something that if you could have worked it out, you would have worked it out. Yeah. But knowing now that it's probably not going to happen, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Mm -hmm. You don't have the income source by yourself. Right. So how do you make that transition? (laughs) What did you do?
1: Um, I got on the phone with my friend, Dave Cooley, called him up and told him what had happened. And I said, you know, if you were me, what would you do? Go back into marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. or or look for a new venture. He said, well, what are you doing now? And I said, teaching. And he said, are you any good? And I said, I'm really good. (laughs) And he said back, he said, if you started all over again, you're going to start back at
0: ground zero ground zero
1: making no money you know you're gonna have to go through this process all over again you've been out of it too long or you can do what you love it sounds like this is what you love and i said it is what i love actually Mm -hmm. thank you you know i just needed to bounce it off somebody a little bit fantastic so um i went through the classifieds and i found an ad uh that they were basically looking for a one-on-one, or what we call a paraprofessional now, at Indian Lake Elementary for a family who had a child with autism. Mm. And I thought, bingo. There we go. I went the next day, interviewed with the principal there, uh, got hired on the spot, and the next day I started. Wow.
0: So you started as a paraprofessional mm-hmm. helping because by this time your son was already in school and was on a regular schedule. So you had some time, is that right?
1: Well, what happened was is we were down to a few weeks before school started. And I still didn't have anywhere to put my son. Oh wow! It was really a conundrum for me. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, out of the blue, and I—this is where God steps in because out of the blue, I get a phone call from the woman who I had offended all those years before, Brad (laughs) Schreiner. God bless her. And she said, "Hey, Rebecca, um, Kanan is still on the waiting list for Merrill Hyde, and he's been on uh, long enough. We're going to have to take him off if he doesn't. If you don't want to." put him in and I said oh my god I didn't even remember he was on the waiting list and she said yes he is and I said I'll take that please oh my gosh yeah and she said um you know he needs to be in Sumner County well we were in Goodlettsville Davidson County so I literally had a couple weeks if that to take my family move my family um we moved into the Hickory Run Apartments Mm -hmm. I went from about a 4,000 square foot home to a a A two-bedroom apartment (laughs) i basically just took what i could put in a truck and said sayonara keep the house best of luck i need to do what's right for our child." absolutely absolutely so put him into meryl hyde um it was a really rough go the first i want to say about the first three months it was horrible he had a really tough time adjusting and um i'd get phone calls at indian lake every day asking me to come over there because my son was curled up in a ball crying Mm. in the counselor's office um i I don't want to paint this like he went there and everything turned out great that's not how it went down in fact it got to a point where um brad called me in and it was uh, brad and um, bitsy and then miss francis by the way i ran into his first teacher the other day i'll tell you about that (laughs) later but Um, They all brought me in. I knew uh, why I was there. I was getting my walking papers. I was going to be told, you know, this is just not a good fit. Yeah. So knowing I was going in to have my son basically kicked out, for lack of a better way, I I, I lawyered up. I took everything I needed. I was like, oh no, we are not doing this without (laughs) a little bit of a fight. And I came in all prepared to throw down. But what happened is I got there and... I just started talking from the heart about mm-hmm. where I was. And I said, Listen, this little boy has lost his dad and had to move. He's on the autism spectrum. Change is horrendous. And I just started laying out everything that was going on. And then I started blubbering. I mean, full on blubbering. I was you broke so down. You'd humiliated. been humiliated. But you'd been strong for so long for,
0: for reasons that you had to be, yeah. that it was just that time it was time that that happened so then when that happened what 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 was the result of that meeting
1: so I told him I said I am a praying woman I'm a woman of faith and if you will agree to pray with me and love on my child for two weeks knowing everything you know about him if this doesn't work I will take him out you will get no argument from me. I don't Mm. want him to be in pain. I don't want him to suffer. Mm -hmm. I said, but if I take him out, I'm gonna have to pick up my life and move home and live with my mother. (laughs) Back in California. And do not make me (laughs) live with my mother. And um, do you know what? I'm telling you, in two weeks, new kid, Wow, new kid. And I really encourage parents, To be transparent and not be afraid, to just let it all out there and tell administrators and teachers what's really going on at home. Yeah. Because how can they know unless you tell them? They can't help you unless they know. Right. We want to paint this picture that we have it all together. Well, I fell apart. Right. But it was the best thing that I could have done. So he gets into Merrill Hyde. Um, My daughter goes to Indian Lake Elementary and um, I worked that first year as a parapro, but while I was there, I saw a lot of things in the public school system that, just for lack of a better word, ticked me off. Mm-hmm. I I thought, I can't believe this is happening with our kids. Mm-hmm. I can't believe kids are being treated like this on the autism spectrum, you know? So Part it gave me, you a
0: very special insight on on ways that you
1: wanted to make changes. Yes. And it it... it I was angry. Can Mm -hmm. I just say? Mm -hmm. Righteous indignation is what I had. I got so mad that I was like, you know what? I can be mad at the system or I can go back and get uh, several degrees and start my own school and change the system. Right. And that is what caused me to go ahead and enroll and set me off on about a 12-year academic binge where I just got one degree after another and I'd work in the day Um, teaching as a special ed teacher and then go to school at night
0: and then from there because this ball this momentum now that you have having been the mom and the the teacher and at the schools to see firsthand everything that's wrong with the system and not that anyone is at fault for that at all Mm -hmm. it's just it's such a big system right Mm -hmm. and trying to make those changes is not an easy thing to do no but here comes beck Mm-hmm. And she's ready to make these changes. Mm-hmm. So you get your degrees. You've really, uh, you dove in to the special needs community. Mm-hmm. And you get a job as a head of schools. Mm-hmm. And you're now the head of schools of a, of a great, well-known school. Mm-hmm. And you are making a difference in the lives of these individuals, right? <laughs> yeah. you, are, you are creating uh, an environment where these children are flourishing. Mm-hmm. And you see it. Mm-hmm. The parents see it everything is wonderful, Mm -hmm. but then something happens to you at a store Mm -hmm. where you see one of your former students, because he graduated, Mm -hmm. and what happened?
1: So I ran into him, and I always ask my kids, because they're all my kids, Mm -hmm. uh, what are you doing? What are you up to? Catch me up. And I was really heartbroken by his response, which was, well, I'm not really doing much of anything. Honestly, I'm sitting at home playing video games. Um, He's you know, sleeps all day, plays video games all night. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a job. He had a job. He didn't like it. And um, as we talked, he really was uh, pretty transparent about just depression. He Mm -hmm. was deeply depressed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it broke my heart. Yeah. It broke my heart. And I started having these conversations with myself, like, what am I doing? Am I kidding myself? Am I making a difference? You know, because I can get these kids through school. Am, am I doing anything when I give them that diploma if all they do is graduate and then turn around and sit home yeah. and play video games, fall into depression? Because socialization is not natural. People on the autism spectrum will not typically go out of their way to socialize. Right. So, unless it's happening at school or when we graduate, college or when we leave college the workplace that's where we get our socialization and Mm -hmm. then maybe we'll go home and you know we have two or three really good friends but they don't have this and i started to feel a deep conviction about what it is that i was doing and and how i wanted to finish out this race and at the end of the day i was uh going back to school to work on my doctorate the great part of this story is that my son um, did end up going to college and he did end up. To an amazing college. Let's yes. not underplay that. He's no, going no. to Northwestern. Right. He is now on a full ride scholarship. He's at Northwestern. He's a junior now, pre med. And I believe that it's a testament to parents who when they have the opportunity take the opportunity to really work with your children right you know it's not anybody else's job right I, I want to be really just blunt if you're not out there advocating for your child no one will right and so I believe that one I'm blessed and two uh, he responded hmm Right. Right? Yep. Because some kids don't respond to what you pour into them. Yep. So I have a great story in that.
0: So when you get to this point, though, and you're talking to this former student, and your heart is just breaking, and it's really, uh, you're questioning mm-hmm. what you're doing. Because you got them to this point where they've graduated from the high school, and you're so excited because they've done so well, and then you see this revert. Yes. back to old habits and yes. old ways of doing things because they don't have those opportunities to get out and socialize mm-hmm. so you took a huge risk mm-hmm. something that i don't see m- many i i that i've never seen before in my <laughs> life before i knew you um but you took this huge risk and that huge risk was to walk
1: leave away. my job yeah it, it was very very difficult it was a tough decision because this was a dream job. It wasn't just an okay job it was a dream job. But
0: it wasn't just walking away from the job you actually knew that you needed to walk toward something because you wanted to make a difference in the lives of adults Mm -hmm. who had autism and didn't have the same opportunities because the system wasn't going to be paying for anything
1: for them now. Right. Right. Once they age out there's nothing for them. They called 22 the age of 22 falling off the cliff Mm -hmm. because that's what happened. All services are removed. Thanks for playing. It's been awesome. If you don't have your chisel, together by 22, best of luck to you, buddy. And parents are sitting there going, I don't know what to do. Right. And so now we have this whole generation. They're referring to it as the tidal wave mm-hmm. of what's going to come. Give, the, give us those numbers on
0: that, because uh, those numbers are actually really impressive. Not in a great way. No. Of adults... With autism, who mm-hmm. go without having jobs?
1: Yeah, it's it's um, changing by the minute. In fact, I I will give you updated numbers because, ironically, I've been looking into that the last two days for this exact reason. Um, but but what we're looking at is a huge huge tidal wave mm-hmm. of adults um, on the autism spectrum that are going to be home Mm -hmm. without any job and whose parents are um, aging rapidly. So we're talking Mm -hmm. about 35 to 45 year olds right now. Mm -hmm. Their parents are are going to pass away and we're about to see the, the first major wave of individuals who are gonna fall under somebody's care. Right. And it's going to be a taxpayer burden. Yeah, And it's starting now the, the the full tidal wave is going to hit probably uh, in the next 10 years. Wow! And the reason why we need to care is if you don't care about autism and you don't care about recycling, you know, neither of those things move you, as a taxpayer, you better care. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't find ways to help these individuals find jobs, yeah. and I mean jobs that will pay them. Living wages. Living wages. yeah then we are going to be in a world of hurt as a country. Autism is crazy out of control. Right. Um, So, in my opinion, if we don't step up and start creating jobs that are specifically um, employing the skill sets of adults on Mm -hmm. the spectrum, uh, we're going to uh, find ourselves paying very, very high taxes, to support these individuals and that's the way it goes and 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 that's
0: what you you recognize so you gave up a great career Mm -hmm. as the head of schools Mm -hmm. you stepped away from that because you knew that there was something more that you needed to do you really felt pulled yes and driven to do something more right and so you started after some research right You, you did some research how can i do more to help the adults who are going to need this help.
1: You did your research and you started Electronics Recycling Solutions. Correct. So I was working on my doctorate and I thought uh, I'm going to address this problem while I'm working on my doctorate. Mm -hmm. So the focus of my dissertation was um, social enterprises that hire adults with autism. I mean that's the broad idea. But I began looking into companies that did this and I found Blue Star Recyclers in Colorado. Blue Star is an electronics recycling company that hires adults with autism. What attracted me to the model was, because I've worked with adults on uh, kids on the spectrum, adults on the spectrum, and I knew that there is that technology piece um, Not every adult on the spectrum, first of all, is going to want to work with technology. Sure, yeah. But I would say that a very large number of individuals uh, with autism have a desire to be involved in technology in some way, shape, or form, either taking things apart, putting them back together, coding. Um, The list is long, but the point is it was a beautiful fit, and I knew that. I thought, I wonder what this looks like. seeing seeing this happen live. So I got on a plane, flew to Colorado, watched what was happening at Blue Star Recyclers, met the uh, founder, Bill Morris. Mm -hmm. Bill and I became great friends right off the bat. And he said, you know what, Rebecca, I will consult with you. I will basically give you the how-to book from Blue Star Recyclers so that you can take this model and start it there in Nashville
0: but you're not you're not working you're not working so how in the world are you flying out to denver and how are right. you meeting with bill so that you can make this happen right. how are you funding a new social enterprise right
1: what are you what did you do so we thought we would be a 501c3 mm-hmm. i've always been a 501c3 that's what i'm used to working with right so we filed the paperwork. Um, I quit my job April 2nd. We filed our 501c3 paperwork June 1st. Our attorney told us at that time, average time to get your 501c3 was four to five months. Mm. I had my savings put away to keep me afloat for that period of time. Sure. So I set about landing clients right off the bat, which you might think, well, that's backwards. But what I wanted to do was get out and hustle while I could. Um, I knew that I really couldn't do an awful lot until I had my 501c3 because that would allow me to go after the grant money and the foundation money sure. that I needed to open this business. So I decided, well, I'm going to just do what I can. I'm going to get out there, public speaking, talk to potential clients, etc. And I made great use of that time. Uh, about four months into it, I began to realize that my savings were leaving quickly and and there was no 501c3 in sight it didn't come in no it it just waited and waited and i'm telling you when i look back at that i kept having these conversations with god like come on i know i know you want me to do this why would you leave me high and dry why why would you leave me without a 501c3 i have two kids at home man i'm a single mom this is no joke right and um, so, <laughs> you know the night it happened because I was <laughs> I was at a fundraiser with Wendy and our friend Jennifer, and we were walking out into the theater parking lot, and I had come to the conclusion that I was going to have to drive Uber and Lyft right. to make a living. Mm-hmm. I, otherwise, my lights were going to get turned off. It was really that simple. But it was so humbling and it was so hard for me to say it out loud and I know that sounds snobby but it was just it,
0: it, <sighs> it's one of those things you've worked so long to create a career you've right. worked so long you've, you have this amazing education you are at the top the peak mm-hmm. of your game and working with the school right and, you know being head of school right to say that you are now working and driving for Lyft or for Uber right. It's got, it is humbling. It's hard to swallow. It is. But the bu- brilliance of that is that you chose something
1: that was going to allow you to have the flexibility right. you needed right. to make this happen. Right. And I, I, um, I've never been too proud to work. I'm a farmer's kid. Right. And I, I believe in a hard work ethic. And, and I will flip burgers. I will do what it takes. I'm not a snob. It was really tough for me to, to say it out loud. Yeah, you know, sure. and so I told you two in that parking lot last night. I'm like, I'm broke, <laughs> my lights are gonna get turned off. I've got to do something. It's either give up this dream, yeah, and let all these poor young people that I think could benefit from this never even see this happen, or put on your big girl pants, stick that lift sticker on your car, and do it. Wow, you know, yeah. And um, so I, I loaded the app. After I talked to you, I loaded it Saturday night. And and then Sunday morning, I got up, watched church on my phone, <laughs> turned on the app, and then I just sat there like the biggest weirdo waiting for something to happen. Was supposed to go on? Yeah, all of a sudden, it goes ding, and then starts counting down. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know, and I hit it. And then I'm like, okay, <sighs> now I follow the arrow. I mean, it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Went out to my car, set it in there. But the first pickup was the easiest one. Then I kind of got my groove on, yeah. then I got my turf, then I got all my lifty friends <laughs> on my turf, you know. Then you like hang out at McDonald's, everybody, airport, and you have your peeps. It's really funny, and, but it did allow me to. So I'd work all day yeah. on getting ERS up and running, and then I'd drive at night, and yeah. I'd drive on weekends. So my daughter never saw me. And it was so bad financially that like, she, my daughter would text me, mom, we do not have any bread. I need yogurt and I need at least five salads. Mm. And then I'd add it up in my hand, go, like, that's like forty five bucks. So then I'd go drive, hit forty five bucks, cash out, go to the store, and that is honestly how I lived. Right. Um, and um it wasn't pretty and it was hard. And I have to say that because <sighs> there were a couple nights there. There was one night you know, the people that you think are there and and are gonna support you and trust you, one of those, or two of those people might desert you. Mm -hmm. And you might have those bad days. And some of the people that I really, really counted on and I thought believed in me, Mm -hmm. uh, bailed. Mm -hmm. And and there were some bad nights where I really, really thought, I remember I was coming over to see you one day, Mm And we were supposed to go over marketing and I walked in and I told you, I don't know if I can do this today. I'm, I'm so low, I don't think I can pull it together today. Right. I'm, I'm that sad. And I don't think I've ever been that sad. Um, where I thought I might have to give this dream up. Right. Um, but I, every time I thought about quitting, God Something would, would send somebody in to say to me, don't, do not give up um and what happened was is about the time I was going to just say we were into it 10 months
0: 10 months and I still
1: did not have my 501 you you held on a long time a long time yeah way too long and I, I I got down on my knees one night and I just said God what is it that you want me to see I get it, you're holding this off, but I don't understand what you want me to see. I don't want to understand what direction you want me to take. Can you just be a little bit more obvious and help a girl out yeah. because I'm tired. I don't think I can keep doing this much longer. I'm physically exhausted. Yeah. And um, I went to a sustainability meeting, a round table meeting up in Clarksville. I'm sitting there. And we're introducing ourselves. It was the Googles and the LGs and all these people. And then across from me is a gal from TDEC I'd never met. That's the Tennessee Department of Environment Conservation, right? So she looks at me and she says, hey, um, are you on the um, states? Oh, what is it? Now my brain has left me, <laughs> sorry. But but she's asking me uh, if I'm on a certain list for the state because I'm an MWAB.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. A women-owned business. Right, but I wanna be honest with you. Shoo. Right oh. over my head. She goes, well, you're an MWOB, aren't you? And I'm like, MWOB, WOB, WOB, what is it? Like, you sure? Uh, 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 I don't know. Do I look like an MWOB? I don't know. And Do then, I fit the profile? Yeah. So here's the great thing about being 57. I just looked <laughs> at her and I said, can't you just enlighten me, sister? Because I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm just going to lay it out a, there I'm for you. I'm not even <laughs> going to try to be cool and tell you I know what right. all your little acronyms are. And she goes, you know, minority and women own business. And I said, oh um i am you know and we do hire adults with disabilities she goes well honey if i were you and i said well let me stop you there because i i don't think we can be a 501c3 and um do what i think you're gonna say we should do is was go after all these state contracts right and that's when all the light bulbs went off and i went wait a minute Mm -hmm. she's telling me i need to be an llc Ding 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 and as I knew it in two seconds that, that was what Gad had been trying to tell me for months was you don't need to be going on this 501c3 right. route. This is not the route for you. Mm-hmm. I I was on fire. Got in my car after that, called up my board, said, Hey y'all, what do you think if we put together a pitch stack? And we we pitched this as a LLC. So I did. Yep. We lined up five people that had never given me a dime, and they were tough business people that all had an interest in autism one way or another because I wanted their feedback. Sure. And the first person out of the gate wrote me a check for $50,000. That's amazing. And when I came back to them and they said, why didn't you do this five months ago? eight months ago I mean you know this business model you knew them you knew you know what we're doing yeah their response was really important and I hope people hear this which was there's donor fatigue out there Rebecca we don't want to just give more money I want a piece of what you're doing I believe in what you're doing so much I want a piece of this I want to own a part of this
0: and so that when that first 50,000 came in
1: what in a, in a week, I had one hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars. So people boom. people boom. knew boom
0: that, and so just changing your model so that people who knew that they were investing in something, not just donating, right. but really investing in a business, because now they they're investors. Yes, and you ha- you're you're able to get your seed money mm-hmm. to be up and running, right? But you. And your crew now of two, Mm -hmm. right? Because you were able to hire two people with that seed Mm -hmm. money. You're out there hustling. Yes. You are picking up (laughs) just tonnage (laughs) of electronics in rental trucks. Yes. Right? And you're driving downtown to Nashville, you're going to Cookville, you're everywhere. All over the place. And um, you had some people who were wonderful about providing you a space so that you could
1: collect these recyclables. Yes, yes. So. In November, what's really interesting is I um, started with a staff opening November 1st, 2018, right? Yes. Before that, like I said, I'd just been going out, hustling, landing clients, talking about what we're going to do. Um, but November 1st, I actually got in a truck and began picking up. Everybody says, well, why did you decide November 1st? I said, <laughs> well, this is how it went down. Uh, my friends uh, if you have a chance also get involved in sustainability roundtable because you're going to meet other major businesses who really believe in sustainability and and put their money where their mouth is that being said but you
0: were making those connections though this whole time right yeah
1: right so I get a call from my friend at Bridgestone Arena Carl and 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 then my other friend Cassie from Country Music Hall of Fame they both called me within a day of each other. And Carl says, Rebecca, I got 12 pallets out on the dock. You can have them. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, he said, I said, well, how long do I have to think about it? He goes, tomorrow. Wow. I can't I can't tie up our dock. But I'm telling you, if you wanna come down and get them, they're yours. And I thought, I am not gonna lose a client like that. I knew jack about <laughs> picking up electronics. So this is what I do. I call up Jacob, he's my first employee, he's on the autism spectrum, and I said, I, and "I hadn't even hired him. I said, Jacob, how do you feel about going out on the truck with me? You're my intern, let's see how it goes. He's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. I said, I'll be over there to pick you up at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. I get in, I rented the biggest U-Haul I could find because I thought big is good, right? <laughs> so yeah, get a big truck, drive down there, I, if you've ever gone to Bridgestone Arena, you have to go up, you know, where you go over across the Shelby Street Bridge. You go up, but you enter, like, three blocks away. And you go underground through this tunnel. I mean, like, if Armageddon ever happens, I'm so there. I know where I'm headed to, like, ride out nuclear holocaust or whatever, <laughs> the zombie apocalypse. But we go underneath, and... uh you have the guys waving these wands it's like it's like going to o'hare man it's crazy <laughs> and i'm in this truck and i'm like you're a farmer's kid you're a farmer's <laughs> kid you've got this come on don't sweat now come on you got this well, I'm putting minute i got this guy waving me back and i'm backing up I'm like, oh dear jesus please so i back it up nailed it and i'm like who's bad now come on <laughs> come on and i get out jacob gets out Well, nobody told me that U-Haul trucks are not dock height. So we're about two feet under dock height, and they expected to roll all these pallets, you know, right on the truck. Right onto the
0: truck, yeah. So
1: Carl's down there and he's like, uh, so I guess you think you're gonna have to, like, hand load all these and help you, right? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, Please? (laughs) please. So, like, we have to pull all these people down, we have to hand load 12 pallets oh, onto this gosh, truck. Of
0: electronics. Of electronics. We're not talking like just a soft. a
1: server that weighs like 200 pounds, these yeah. mammoth servers. That was my welcome to recycling. That was my first gig ever. And so um, after that, you know, got smart, started renting rider trucks and uh, got dock height trucks with lift gates. And, um, but we had no equipment. We didn't have a dolly we didn't have a pallet jack we um, found a church that would let us store the electronics in there and then when we outgrew the church we had to get a second storage space so about the time we were breaking out uh, uh, you know of the seams at both of these places, that's when we decided to do the LLC got the money and we moved into the hats warehouse and, over in Gallatin. Um, over in Gallatin. And mm-hmm. thank God for those people. I want to give a plug because, you know, I came to them honest mm-hmm. and just said, listen, we're starting this out and I don't have a lot of money, but I promise you we're going to be a perfect fit. We're going to be great neighbors. We're going to honor your mission and be respectful of your space. And they said, absolutely. And they worked with us and let us roll out that rent. So as we began to get more and more clients and make more money, then, then it would go up. But they worked with us, and it's what allowed us to to get in there and get started. So
0: do you think that the reason that people were so willing to be a part of this startup, I mean, we're talking from scratch. Oh, yeah. Um, Do you think that part of that is because of your honesty and the way that you were able to present to them what you would be doing? And do you think that part of that was because of the passion Mm
1: -hmm. that you
0: have for what you're doing but then you also had that education you had that background Mm -hmm. of understanding how to work with individuals on the spectrum right and what they needed and what
1: they loved to do right so here's here's what i want to say i think it helps to be a triple threat Mm -hmm. right because i i'm not just some goofball that goes out there and says hey let's start an electronics recycling company i was smart enough to know i need to go to colorado get Uh, Bill Morris and his company to Mm -hmm. come consult. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I need to bring people on board who know what they're doing, pay them to consult until I can find my way on my own, which surprisingly did not take that long. I think I really relied on them for maybe six months at the most. (laughs) And then really the rubber had to meet the road here. I couldn't beat Colorado anymore. I had to adjust to the Nashville market. The second thing I did was, is I brought them out to do a feasibility study so that I had a beautiful book that my investors could look at and say, okay, this girl's done her homework. She's not just throwing out numbers. These are numbers based on 10 years of Colorado plus the feasibility study adjusting for Nashville marketplace. Um, So having the wherewithal to know that I needed to surround myself with people that were smart in areas that I wasn't. I mean that's, I always tell my daughter this, I'm really big on this. We have this idea that we have to know everything before we can do something. That's absolute garbage. What you need to do is you need to have a belief that you can make it happen, but then you need to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are in the areas where you're weak. You right. know, right? I, people cannot drive a truck and back it in straight in. People can't go out and hoist. I lifted 27 filing cabinets and chucked them into a roll-off Jeez. last Friday, 27. <laughs> So there's all kinds of people out there that want to start a business. But how many of them are going to get underneath 27 filing cabinets and you do You have to the, be willing to do the heavy lifting. You've to do the heavy lifting. Yeah. You can talk about it. But sister, put your money where your mouth is. And, yep. and you're talking seven days a week, work days. Not many, eight many hour hours. days. No, no. 14 hour days. I had to teach myself to drive a forklift. I had to get certified as a forklift driver, (laughs) um, drive a big rig. all of those things. And on top of it, learn the electronics business. And I mean, down to nets and bolts. Start to understand the downstream, who buys those, Mm -hmm. who's gonna pay the most for all those pieces. And then on top of it, have a knowledge base of working with adults with the autism spectrum and be able to bring out the best in them because if I ever get lost, all I do is open up my office doors right where I can see the production line and my door's always open. And I just have to look out my office door and look at eight people who ha- now have jobs who did not have a hope for a job a year ago. Yeah, And I know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly what I'm doing. So
0: now that you have this production line going, you've really made this happen. All of a sudden, you are con- not all of a sudden, but you are connected with someone who now comes in and makes an incredible impact on the because you knew you were going to grow, mm-hmm. but this person comes in and makes a huge impact on how and how fast right. you're going to be able to grow and how many more people that you're going to be able to reach. Right? Tell me about that story. This who is my is this?
1: this is one of my favorite stories to tell because it's so clearly God uh, and again I I. If you talk to me long enough, I cannot, you know, I'm going, I'm going to share because to me that that's why I am where I am. Yeah. But um, I was working hard, and we were seeing great success. And a friend of mine who um, knows me and then knows uh, Christy Shane introduced us. And she's, she's a great judge of character. So when she says to me, she's kind of like you, Wendy, mm-hmm. to me. If she says to me, hey, you need to meet so-and-so, I pay attention. And you and I are great networkers. And we're, we're people that love meeting other people. And I love introducing my friends. It right. gives me great joy. My friend said, you need to meet Christy Shane. She's the uh, CEO and president of Health Connect America. She took this company from 2 million to 60 million. They did 60 million last year. But, but more than that, you two would have some crazy synergy. And then she left it at that. I said, great. We talked about some dates. It took us a month just to find a date that would work for the three of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The day before we were supposed to all get together, uh, my friend broke her toe really bad. And she said, I can't be there. And she said, do you want to reschedule? And I said, no, honestly, no, because it's going to take me another <laughs> month and a half. took a month to get here. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, we had opened up for investors. So secretly, I was hoping she might want to invest in our company. And I knew our window was going to close pretty soon because mm-hmm. we had a hard close on uh, in our investors right in terms of uh, when we said that's it you know all the partners are in so i thought well this is gonna be weird i don't know her i didn't know her i didn't know what her company did i didn't even know why our mutual friend wanted to introduce us in the first place i got in my car drove down there to what i thought was going to be a one hour meeting maybe but the beauty of this is, and this is why God is so amazing, <laughs> is because I had no agenda. So I just walked into our office and we both sat down kind of looking at each other like, well, this is weird. <laughs> and we had one of those odd things called an unplanned conversation with no agenda. So we talked about kids. Uh, we both had kids with special needs, it turns out. We talked about our passion for business, how it should be relationship driven and, and why that's so essential. Mm-hmm. And the more we talked, the more this ball started to roll and the more synergy we had until I think it was like four and a half hours later. Oh my gosh. We looked up and said, I'm really hungry. Are you hungry? <laughs> and we went Let's to Let's continue this conversation. And we talked some more. We really did. And uh, so she came up and looked at our warehouse a few weeks later. And um, we just had a really honest conversation with each other. And she just said, look, I can invest in you personally, but what I envision is so much bigger than what we can do with just even me investing. I I feel like if we could bring you on to Health Connect America, we can really grow this. And um, I said, yes, let's start. I, I Something in me knew 100% that this was exactly what was supposed to happen. I, was, I had no fear mm-hmm. ever in the entire process. And of course it was five months of due diligence, um, them flying in and out, board members flying in and out, all of their staff touring the warehouse. And um, at the end of the day, Here's the funny thing, we closed exactly one year later, November 1st, 2019 from when we had our soft opening. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy. You know, that, you don't start a company and one year later have it, it It's really not heard of. I mean, that is not a
0: common thing to happen. Exactly. But, but I think that the business aspect of this would be that, number one, you did not give up. You had a vision and you knew that you could make something happen. You yes. did not give up. You put yourself out there to anyone who would listen. And, uh, you. but you also were very strategic with who you spoke with because mm-hmm. you knew that there were people who needed to hear what you had to say because either they were parents or they were mm-hmm. a business owners or they had some interest in what you would be doing. Yes. You formed those relationships. You... Went ahead and said yes, even though you didn't know what was going to happen, right? You <laughs> yes. didn't let the, the unknown stop you from right. doing anything, and then you just forged forward. And but you had the business plan, you had the, your due diligence, you mm-hmm. you learned the business, yes. Even without from from scratch, right? You learned it, right? Um, and I think that that success that you are now uh, seeing is all a. a accumulation of Mm -hmm. everything that you've done and that entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. and the fact that HCA now has picked up uh, electronics recycling solutions Mm -hmm. and you are now the vice president Mm -hmm. right
1: of development Development.
0: yes and that's incredible from a year ago Mm -hmm. going from driving for Lyft now (laughs) being with the vice president of (laughs) development at this 60 million dollar a year business yeah It's phenomenal. Yeah. And that story just I think I, I hope that everyone who is listening to that right now understands that it's a matter of not giving up, doing the work, mm-hmm. putting the work in and making sure that you're setting up those relationships so yeah. that you can do what you love to do. Yes. Now Rebecca gets to really do everything that she loves to do right. and was meant to do.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, I again I uh, another thing that I always say to my daughter is don't, don't let anybody write your story. Good. Yes. Nobody gets to write your 100%. story. One hundred percent, you and God. Yep. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this idea that that we have to um, we acquiesce to the people around us and not realizing that they have all their own paradigms. Yep. I think a lot of folks out there just might have trouble with the woman in the driver's seat. Sure. And I think. Uh, you can politely ask them to just get over it. right? Because I I, I don't feel like at this point in my life, I've paid my dues, I did that. I'm 57 years old now. I don't have time for that nonsense. I, I don't need to know everything. Here's what I need to know. I need to know I'm making a difference in these young people's lives. Because when I die, I certainly hope that what will be said of me is that there's people out there whose lives are better and are different from my be- being here and for starting electronics recycling solutions. What more can you ask for? Um, money doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It stopped meaning something to me a long time ago. I used to be especially in sales. You know, you hustle for that commission Absolutely, check. Absolutely sure. But when I had my son. And I saw a a little human being whose life was not going to go well unless I stopped and made a change. And it it just literally changed the way I looked at this world and how I wanted to spend the second part of my life. The second part of my life is going to be spent making this planet better for people who have autism and other learning differences, you know, and creating business opportunities. That's one thing about working with HCA is going to let me do is create more businesses. They want me to go out there and create additional business opportunities for this group of people that we are so passionate about right and so that has just
0: really provided you with the opportunity to do that we're talking about the entire southeast because i know that there's a footprint with hca throughout the entire southeast yeah so you you will be able to have that opportunity to help make the the flagship store here in gallatin and expand that footprint and help so many more people and that is an incredible Incredible, right. incredible story. Right. So, I want you to tell everyone where they can find out more about electronics recycling solutions mm-hmm. and what some of uh, you know to give me what your future plan is in the next you know f- few months.
1: The best thing you can do in terms of just getting an overall picture is to go to our website www.electronics that's with an s recycling solutions.org. And if you go on there, you'll learn everything there is to know about ERS, our mission. Um, also, if you're interested in a job, you can go on there give us your information. We really need the not only the public to turn out and because we have public drop-off four days a week at our Gallatin Warehouse. We're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturdays for public drop-off. Um, this Saturday we just started Hendersonville's public drop off yes Yes. so the second Saturday of every month is going to be Hendersonville now we're at MGM Warehouse uh, on Free Hill Road Warehouse C and that went great yes the Uh, public came people were
0: talking Yes,
1: people were talking and they were lovely and really supportive so I want to thank Hendersonville for that Um, we're going to be expanding our public drop off days the third Saturday will be Nashville and then the fourth Saturday will be franklin wow so that's exactly where we're going right now immediately nice. and then obviously we're going to look to expand throughout the southeast eventually but right gonna now well yeah yep. hopefully we'll get there but yep. um i'm just blessed
0: yeah absolutely well, you have put the work in you have been really smart about what you do and you you are not afraid to work hard and i think that says so much for why the individuals who you now get to employ have have such an amazing opportunity for their lives. And so congratulations, kudos. uh, You're tremendous, you're amazing, and you are a hero to so many people. So thank you for doing that. And uh, I just absolutely love uh, being your friend. (laughs) I'm honored, I am honored. So I want everyone to please uh, visit electronicsrecyclingsolutions.org. Um, visit their website, uh, their Facebook page, and uh, like them, support them with your electronics recycling. If you have an individual, a child um, who is an adult and needs to be employed, talk to Rebecca. She is so accessible. Her uh, phone number is directly on the website, and you can go on there and uh, give her a call or message her through the Facebook page um, or email. She'll definitely respond to you.
1: Also, um, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I want to encourage the public to come up to Gallatin Warehouse and watch our crew break down they break down every Tuesday and Wednesday 545 Airport Road from 9 to 1 o'clock if you want to see what this looks like and what it looks like when you give somebody a job every business has an asset of e-waste and we we call it e-waste but it is an asset Mm -hmm. and rather than taking it to the dump or working with another electronics recycler that might not have the same mission. If you are mission-driven and you care about creating jobs for adults with disabilities, really take the time to, to recycle with Electronics Recycling Solutions. Um, we're competitive price-wise, but we're, we're um I think our first priority is jobs and yes. it makes us a special company because of that.
0: And and if you do go visit you will see these uh, adults just having such a great they take such great pride in the work that they do and absolutely love where they work so that you've created an environment for them that uh, is just really really special
1: and we have Lois the recycling dog oh my goodness the cutest little doggy. yeah we got an English bulldog her name's Lois Yeah, Lois the recycling dog (laughs) and she loves it there so come on in and say Lois say hi to Lois too and
0: wonderful well thank you again Rebecca for being on and uh, you know we know that it's just we can't wait to see everything that's going to happen for you and for ERS and HCA so um, I want to go ahead and sign out and uh, thank you all for listening to this particular pod- podcast. We'll get that out, right? Um, <laughs> where you can listen on winradio.com, winradio on Apple podcast and SoundCloud, navarrocreativegroup.com and spotify.com. We appreciate you all for listening and uh, are so excited about the great things happening here in the Sumner County area because of people like Rebecca Dopp and electronics recycling solutions and all of the business owners and business leaders who are, are just making great things happen. So uh, kudos to you all. Thank you for listening. And please share uh, with your friends and families.